0: community church. I hear the sound of revival. I see it. I hear it. I have it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us. And as we open up the story of the dry bones, would you open up life inside of us, wherever there's dryness and wherever There is death, which you bring life and breath. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we're coming off of the heels of 30 hours of of revival. What an amazing journey and time that we have had. Over 9,000 devices, which multiple people can be on one device, so almost, you know, 20,000 people at least were with us via uh, online, as well as in the house, just, uh, it was amazing. And what you need to know is that there's a turning that God is doing. There's a pivoting that God is doing in the life of our church and in my life. And I believe in your life as well. The Lord laid on my heart to talk about the Valley of Dry Bones and Ezekiel chapter 37. So get your copy of the scriptures. And if you have uh, a Bible, go ahead and pick it up and and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. You can always uh, scroll on your phone, but if you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and get that. And in this story of the dry bones, we're going to see an amazing progression of God using the prophet Ezekiel. And the progression you're going to see is he sees it, he hears it, then he has it. And that's a word for you. Sometimes you see something before you ever uh, have it manifested in your life. Sometimes you hear something before it ever comes to pass. But once you see it and once you hear it, the next step is now for you to possess it. And I believe that that's what God is doing in your life and doing in my life as well. So God commands Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. This valley was desolate, and the dry bones had uh, been laying out in the middle of the valley. The question is, how did they get there? there has to be a story, right? You don't just have dry bones in a valley. If you have dry bones, then surely it tells us that there was life there at one time. And let me just say to you, if you have dry bones in the valley of your life, my guess is they didn't just get there. Something had to die. There must be a story. And if there are dry bones, that means that life once existed in that area and somehow, some way, death has taken over and life is gone. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37. And in the first three verses, we're going to see how it, how it opens up. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live again? I said, "O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now just for those first few verses, I want you to notice it starts off talking about the hand of the Lord. Verse 1, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. I want you to observe that the hand of the Lord means the anointing of God. When you see the hand of the Lord upon you, that means that the blessing of God is on you, that the favor of God is on you. And Ezekiel is saying that the hand of the Lord... Is on me. That means that the touch of God is upon you. The power and the purpose of God is upon you. And this isn't the first time we see the hand of the Lord in this book. Go back to the very beginning of Ezekiel. You can keep your finger uh, in 37, but go to chapter 1 at the very beginning. And I want you to notice what it says in verse 3. I read, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzzi, by the Kabir River in the land of the Babylonians. Here it comes. There the hand of the Lord was upon me. So we see right at the beginning of the book that Ezekiel recognized that the hand of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the blessing on the Lord was upon him. We see it again in verse 14 of chapter 3. So flip over from chapter 1 to chapter 3. I told you, you're going to need your word for this. And look at verse 14. In 314, it says this. The spirit then lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness and in anger of my spirit with the, here it is, strong hand of the Lord upon me the strong hand of the Lord upon me. Now stay in chapter 3 and go down to verse 22. Listen to what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, get up and go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. Now check out verse uh, 23 and 24. So I got up and I went out to the plain, and the glory of the Lord was standing there like the glory I had seen by the Kabir river and I fell face down. So he has seen things. Stopping at verse 24 he says, then the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. So we see that the hand of the Lord was upon him and he said it a couple of times in different places in chapter 1 and chapter 3. So now back to verse chapter 37 where we originally started And it opens up with, The hand of the Lord was upon me. Before I keep reading, let me just say this. There are some of you under the sound of my voice who have the hand of the Lord upon you. You have the anointing of God upon you. And stepping into that anointing and being able to say, like like Ezekiel said, The hand of the Lord is on me. It's important to be able to step into what God is doing. Not in a proud or an arrogant way, but in a confident way knowing that God's favor is on you. But it doesn't stop with God's favor. It doesn't stop with God's anointing. You need more than that. If you simply have the anointing of the Lord, that does not affect change on the earth. And so while the first phrase says that the hand of the Lord was on me, you're going to see that Ezekiel needed something more than that, so let's pick it up. Verse 1 again. The hand of the Lord was upon me, here it is, and he brought me out by the what? The spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. In other words, you don't just need the hand of the Lord, but secondly, what I want you to observe is the spirit of the Lord. If the hand of the Lord is God's anointing, the spirit of the Lord is God's active power working with the anointing. And that's what it says in that verse, that brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, as you're still in 37, keep your finger there, but go back to chapter 3 with me at the beginning of the book, just so you can see uh, the development of this. But look at verse 14 again, chapter 3. And in verse 14, the Spirit then lifted me up and took me away. So you had the hand of the Lord, but now he's saying it's the spirit of the Lord that began to activate movement in my life. In this same chapter, verse 24, listen to what it says. Then the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. So while he had the anointing of God on him, Now it's the Spirit of God that's the activating force to empower him to go where he needs to go and to show up where he needs to show up and to be where he needs to be in order to do what God's about to tell him to do. You can be anointed in your house, but unless the Spirit of God takes you where you need to go, your anointing won't be in the right location. And so for some of you, it's not that you're not anointed, you're just not in the right location. Because what you need is the hand of God on you, but the Spirit of God working with the anointing of God will get you to the destination you'll need to be when it's time for you to do what God has called you to do. Who am I speaking to today? But it doesn't stop there. The anointing of God is important. The activating force of God's Holy Spirit is important but that still was not enough for Ezekiel to fulfill everything that God wanted to do in Ezekiel's life for the people of Israel. And this is where you get to the third broader observation I want you to see. But you got to go back now to chapter 37. And it says in these verses, he asked me, verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now here it is, verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the what? Hear the word of the Lord. You see, you have the hand of the Lord, you have the spirit of the Lord, but now that you're in the right location with the right anointing, you still need this third and very important piece in order to fulfill the purpose in your life, like Ezekiel, and that was the word of the Lord. Why? Because the hand of God is the anointing. The spirit of God is the active force of God coming behind and empowering you to do what he's called you to do. But if you have anointing and you have the power of God ready to activate in your life, The one thing that is still missing is the authority of God because the word of God is the authority of God. We all speak words, but some speak words with extra authority because of who sent them, who empowered them to speak. There's a lot of words out there, but it doesn't mean there's a lot of power out there. You see, when you have anointing, And when you have the Holy Spirit's activating force mixed with the combination of the authority of God's word, then all of a sudden when the nexus of those three things come together, that which is dead can now become alive. Some of you are living in the midst of dry bones. You're living in the midst of death and dryness in some area of your life. And what you need is the anointing of God and the power of God and the authority of God to take that which has been dying inside of you so it will live again. You know, when God speaks a word, his authority is behind it. When God speaks a word, his power is behind it. Proverbs 18, 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. With just a word in Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. You see, the very word of God is the very breath of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God, John 1.1. And it says in verse 14 of that passage in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the very word of God in the flesh. So what have we seen? We've seen the hand of the Lord, God's anointing. We've seen the spirit of the Lord, God's activating power. And we've seen the word of the Lord, God's authority. And when these three forces of God come together, look out. Because God's anointing and the spirit's activation and the word's authority put together in your mouth, in your life, something that is dead is about to come alive. Such a combination showed up in the Valley of Dry Bones. And this valley of dry bones was representing the people of Israel who were scattered, who were broken, who were divided, who once were whole, but now they were divided, who once were alive, but now they're just scattered all over the place. And what God is saying through his prophet Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel is wondering, is that possible? Because the judgment of God is what put us here. In other words, yes, there's a story behind the bones. The reason why they used to have life and they don't have it anymore. The reason why they used to have unity and they don't have it anymore. It's because of what it says in chapter 6. So keep your finger in 37 and come on with me to chapter 6. Because they got there somehow. Let's look. Because of their sin, verse 5, I will lay the dead bodies of the Israelites in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. Israelites were serving idols and other gods. God had enough of it. He says in verse 14, 614, underline it, and I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land a desolate waste from the desert to Dibla, wherever they live. Then they will know I am the Lord. Chapter 7, verse 17, every hand will go limp and every knee will be as weak as water. Verse 19, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be an unclean thing. Check it out. Their silver and gold will not be able to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They cannot even buy life. Their money is no good. When the Lord stretches out his judgment against something, there's no way you can buy your salvation. There's no way you can earn your salvation. There's no way you can bargain for your redemption. You're done. The judgment of God is the end of all things unless God decides that he wants to revive something. And that's really the sermon in a sentence. Even when the judgment of God has allowed calamity, the grace and the goodness of God ushers in revival. Even when the judgment of God allows calamity in your life and in my life, it's the grace and the goodness of God that ushers in revival. So while the dry bones are scattered all over the valley, while there is no life left, Because of God's goodness, because of God's grace, he sends a prophet. And he takes the prophet and he says, this is what I want you to do. And back now to chapter 37, in verse 4, he tells them, prophesy to the bones. We looked at verses 1 through 3, now pick it up at verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. From being broken apart to adjoining together. God says, once I send the prophet who speaks for the sovereign Lord, I can take that which is broken apart, put it back together again, and breathe life into it. From being broken apart to being adjoined together. There's a lot of stuff that's broken apart in our world. And yet God is a God of reconciliation. He can take relationships that are broken apart, ethnic groups that are broken apart, countries that are broken apart, churches that are broken apart, denominations that are broken apart, families that are broken apart, and he can adjoin them together again when they come under the authority of God's word. And I declare that God Is taking that which is broken apart in your life, and he's beginning to join it back together again. I declare that God is moving someone from being hurt to being healed, from being fractured to being made whole right now. See, someone is unstructured and and disorganized like the dry bones. But I believe that God is lifting you to a level of consciousness where you'll be operating within a sense of structure and organization, no longer dysfunctionate, no longer disorderly. The clutter will become uncluttered. The confusion will become clear. And you are moving into a season of order, organization, and alignment. Who am I speaking to? Well, first he tells the prophet to prophesy to the bones, but then secondly he says prophesy to the breath. Check out verse 9. We're still in 37 now. Look at verse 9. So he did all that he was told to do. Then you get to verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. So first prophesy to the bones, verse 4. Now in verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into the slain that they may live. So remember, the reason they're there is because they've been slain, and that is the very judgment of God. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast, vast army. Check out verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So he interprets it for us. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Some of you feel that verse right there. You feel like you're cut off from God. You feel like you're cut off from other people. You feel like all hope is gone. Well, God sent me to tell you this morning that there's still hope and that there's still life and that you're not completely cut off from God when he sends in a prophet with a word. That's to remind you right there in your living room. That's to remind you right there in your car. That's to remind you right there at the park where you sit that when God sends a prophet to you, that is his way of loving you to let you know that there is hope that there is life. You can be sitting in a parking lot all by yourself and God will send a preacher just to let you know that you are loved. You can be in your home right now and turn on the internet and hear a word from God from Bridgeway Community Church this morning, wherever you are, in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Afghanistan, in Asia, somewhere. And God can send a word to let you know that I've not forgotten you, that there is hope. One of the best prayers you can pray for your son, for your daughter, for your grandkids, for your unsaved parents, is God, send a word. Because when you send your word from heaven, it will accomplish everything it was intended to do, and it can get to the very crevices of my loved one's heart, send a word, God, send a word. So he prophesies to the bones, verse four. He prophesies to the breath, verse nine. And third, he prophesies to the the body, the body of people, check out verse, verse 12. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, body of people, oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Hmm. And I will settle you in your own land, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord, in other words, He not only speaks to the dry bones, he not only speaks to the breath, but then he speaks to the body of people. And he says that I'm going to settle you. I'm going to bring you up out of the open graves. I'm going to bring you back to the place where you had prosperity and life. I'm going to restore that which you have lost. But you're going to know that I am the one who did it and you're going to declare that it was the Lord who did it. And I love what Ezekiel says in verse 7. He says, so I prophesied, and I was comm- as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, got to love this, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and... The tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. And I can only imagine what it was like for Ezekiel, because he saw the valley of dry bones. Then he prophesied what God told him to prophesy. But then, as he did what God had told him to do, he not only saw it, but he heard it. And he said, I hear a rattling that which sounded like death, all of a sudden I hear life coming again. Isn't it encouraging when you realize that life is coming again? Isn't it encouraging when you see that something looks dead, but then when you do CPR on it, it comes back to life. Something looks like it's drowning, but then when you push on the chest, the water coughs out. It it feels like life is coming. It feels like that which I thought was dead is now coming to life. And he says, I can hear it. I can hear it. I hear it. Sometimes before God manifests something, he lets you see it. And he lets you hear it before you can have it. I see it. I hear it. And now I want to have it. And what God is saying to somebody is that you've been seeing visions for a long time. You've been hearing the sound for a long time. God's been speaking to your heart for a long time. But hang in there, because once God sends his word, he will bring you back. He will bring you up. And he will pull together everything that you saw, And that you heard. Say this with me. I see it. I hear it. I have it. God is moving you from what you have seen and taking what you have heard. And you will move to the next season where you'll progress to a place where you will be settled and have everything almost everything you need. Why do I say almost? I say almost because the people of Israel were missing something. (laughs) Had the bones. Had the breath had the whole body coming together again to be resettled where God wanted to bring them back. And that will happen in the fullness of time. But there was one thing missing. (laughs) Have you ever felt like you had almost all you needed? But there was like one thing missing. Well, what do you think the one thing missing was? What do you think the one thing missing was? They had the bones, so you got all the parts you need. They had the breath, so you got the activating force of breath and God's power. They had the body coming together. You could see it. You could hear it. What's missing? You tell me. You tell me. If you have a body, if you have it unified coming together, and even breath, what's the one thing missing so that that body has life to sustain it? You're going to get it. You're going to discover what I'm talking about. The Israelites had everything, but there was something that they did not have that God was trying to give to them, but they rejected it. But it's the only thing that can give them life. Just because you have breath. Just because you have a body, just because you have it coming together, without something, you will never live and have the sustenance of life. I don't know one human being that's alive today that doesn't have blood. They had the bones, they had the breath, they had the body, but they didn't have the blood. So what Jesus did was he came and he shed his blood so that those of us who are not Jews, when we receive Jesus Christ, we come into the body, but it's because of the blood. It's the blood that cleanses. It's the blood that covers. It's the blood that gives you life and keeps you sustained. What's a valley of dry bones if it doesn't have blood? Because without the blood... And the shedding of blood, there is no redemption, remission for sin. My Jewish brothers and sisters, whoever you are, in this moment, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, don't be mad at the name of Jesus. Jesus was Jewish, and God chose your ethnic people group for the Savior of the world to come through. What makes Jewish people and non-Jewish people like myself unified is that we're both waiting on a Messiah. You're just waiting for him to come the first time. I'm waiting for him to come the second time. News flash: he's already come. And you need to receive him. To the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles. If you don't have the blood of the Lamb, You don't have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you want life? Can these bones live again? Absolutely. And God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, so that he can take that which is dead and make it alive again. Because even when the judgment of God allows calamity in our lives, the grace and the goodness of God will revive us again. And Heavenly Father, right now I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl who's under the sound of my voice that you would speak life through this message, that this message will not be viewed one time, seen one time, but Lord, that it would, it would go out to do everything that you have intended for it to do, that it would go far and wide, that people will listen to it over and over again, that they'll send it to their friends, that they'll copy and share, Lord, reminding people that even though something is dead in your life, it can come alive again, but you've got to have the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus Christ. And the way you receive Jesus is by saying, dear Lord, maybe even now, maybe right now you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse me of all of my sins. Thank you for shedding your blood. And as a result, I'm trusting that the same blood that was upon the doors at Passover would be the same blood that you could apply to my life. So death will pass me over for eternity. And I'll have eternal life with you. For it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And amen.